Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash usingyourpower. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And today I'd like to recommend Desire, The Journey We Must Take to Find the Life God Offers by John Eldridge. Welcome to Using Your Power. I'm David Andrew Weeb, and joining me is... Veen Cora. How's it going, Veen? I'm good, man. How are you? Great. So we're connecting after another weekend here. How was your weekend? My weekend was good. You know, just uh, did some quick shopping uh, for Black Friday there. I know uh, when this episode comes out, it'll be long past Black Friday, but yeah. uh, picked up an iPhone uh, 6 here with uh, 128 gigs and uh, got a really good deal on it. Awesome. And yeah, the sales do continue well into January, if not all the way to the end of January anyway, because of Christmas, Boxing Day, on and on and on. So there's plenty of opportunities to get things on sale right now. Absolutely. And that's what we did, right? So we got a good deal on the phone. We got a gift certificate with it and uh, decided to buy a Samsung S4K uh, TV as well. So wow. got, yeah, I got a really crazy deal on it. Couldn't give it up. So um, yeah, man, I'm excited to finally pick it up sometime in December and put it on the wall and let's see what happens great stuff well today we're gonna take a look at life shifting moments so why don't you tee this one up Mav? wow um i think i brought this one to you i just kind of uh thought about you know things that i had uh, experienced things that you were going through things that we had talked about and, you know a lot of the things that we've talked about on this show are really about um life you know changing experiences um so really what i was thinking about is really talking about those life shifting moments as well because you know everything I think happens in a moment I believe once we're ready for it we'll finally take the right step in the mm. direction we want to go right so uh, I'm really excited to talk about this uh, topic because I do feel there's a lot of great value we can bring to people yeah and help them see their own life shifting moments as well because a lot of I know we kind of reviewed our own uh you know, our five topics that we brought each to the table here and a lot of things that we can all relate to, I, I think, as well. So there really could be a lot once you start thinking about the different moments that you've had in your life. But yeah, thinking about five, you know, not saying it was the easiest thing in the world, but I think most of us could probably think of five moments if we really stepped back and, and thought about what, where we've come to this point, especially if you're 20, 30 and up. Maybe if you're if you're still a teenager, you wouldn't necessarily think of, but who knows? You know, a lot of things do happen when we're young, so. Right. And, you know, even if you're older too, right? I mean, there's a lot of different... I would say there's probably more if you've had more time to experience life. Absolutely. And, and you know, you, you go into, you know, let's say you're in your 60s and you listen to this show. And I mean, you've gone through the the all the different ages where you've seen the TV, the VCR come into fruition, the radio, TV, uh, you know, all the different the computers, internet. internet everything has come right even like digital watches and and all that kind of stuff so i mean there's so many things and that's just a technology side of things there's the you know the space shuttle going to the moon and, and outer space and us sending out satellites into into space and these are all things that have come uh, and they're all life-shifting moments for humanity but i think we really want to talk about you know just the the micro not the macro yeah talk about the personal life-shifting moments and we all have those I, I guess I'll start mine off, you know, I, none of these are necessarily easy for us to share, I think, but like me, for a major life shifting moment for me was when my dad passed away. So I would have been 
13 years old at the time and my dad got into a motorcycle accident. So it would have been one of those intersections. I, I don't know if there's a flashing yellow or no lights or no signs or whatever. There's probably a yield sign on, on either side. So the, there's a big, you know, trailer truck that did not stop, did not yield. And so my dad had no choice, but to kind of slam into the side of, uh, side of that truck. Wow. So he was in a coma for, you know, 10 days or so but after that he just he didn't make it wow i actually did not know that and i don't think i've ever asked you how your dad actually passed away i just know you you told me he passed away and you know we kind of left it at that so for you to bring that up today david that's pretty pretty big i was called into the principal's office which in japan you're kind of always wondering like Oh, are they going to, they're, they're calling me up to yell at me or something. And, and no, it was like, you know, urgent family issue. And then went to the hospital that day and it was like, man, I don't even know what's going on, but it doesn't seem good. So, yeah. Wow. And, you know, we've talked on different episodes, some of the impacts that's had for you positive and some of the negative impacts that's had for you as well. So, uh, you know, it, it's never easy to bring that up. Right. And, um, you know, what else is kind of, uh, I guess, how did your life actually shift uh, when that happened? Yeah, that's kind of where I was thinking about going. And there, there are so many ways, you know, I think at first it wasn't really, I mean, for, for me as a teenager, I just wanted to do my thing. So just play video games, hang out with friends, do whatever. So like not having a dad around meant there's nobody to hassle, hassle me not to do those things. Right. So in a sense, it was, it was kind of that immediate freedom. But I think, you know, one of the things that having a father means, it, it's sort of this unspoken protection that, that your dad offers. You don't even really think about it if you've had a dad all your life. Or if you've had an, uh, somebody that's actively being a parent versus somebody that's maybe checked out of life, even if they're still alive. So when you when you do have a good father, there is the, sort of that sense of protection. So I think I felt immediately very kind of exposed to the world after my dad was gone. And, you know, I also didn't really have anybody to show me how to fix a car, you know, how to do an oil change, various normal, I guess, teenage or like, you know, early adulthood things, those kinds of things I didn't really get to learn from a father. So, wow. You know, and that's a great point I think you brought up, right? I, um, I, you never really think of your dad or your parents being security uh, in your life, like a blanket almost, right? And, mm-hmm. But you're right, they do provide that level of protection to you as you're growing up as a child or even into your into your 40s, right? I'm, I'm 38 right now and I have great conversations with my dad. They're not always the best, but right. you know, I know uh, in the end that he cares and he looks out for me regardless of what our relationship looks like, right? So he always has my best best in, intentions uh, ahead of his own even at, at many times of the of the day in, in his thoughts as well right so you're very right on, on that right the, the level of protection that uh, your parents can provide you is different so you know let me ask you did you have to shortly become like the man of the house if I can say that well, I think those were the kinds of things that people were telling me at the funeral. Like, okay, well, now you're the man of the household. It's like, I don't know what that means as a 13, 14-year-old. I eventually just became the mediator between my mom and my sister because they would often be at odds with each other. And so I felt like the somebody in the house needed to have a cool head and be able to figure out the various situations and it was all almost like emotional situations right not necessarily arguments about money or not necessarily arguments about 
practical life things that could be going on. It was just more around like, you know, how, how somebody feels and, and how somebody felt mistreated and that kind of stuff was, was really the topic of, uh, of uh, debate oftentimes. So being that mediator and it, that's also connected to like finding my identity. I think that's really the biggest thing is when you don't have your parents, like your parents sort of bestow an identity in you, whether you are aware of it or not. And sometimes that could be to your detriment too, but I don't, I don't think I had that having, you know, when my dad passed away when I was so young, not, you know, I think I ended up not knowing really who I was. Right. Well, you know, even at age 13, like you said, people were asking you to take over his position and, 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 you know, kind of like in the family as the, uh, father or not the father figure but the head of the family right and at 13 years old like you said yeah you're not really you know it's even hard enough first to contemplate exactly what just happened you're at the funeral kind of trying to process everything and people crying and you know you're still trying to square away exactly how you feel and then you know people are coming up to you and saying hey you're the you're the man now so you got to take care of this and you're just like wait what are you talking about like you know this isn't real although this is actually happening you know my my dad will be back tomorrow you know this is just kind of a thing Mm -hmm. that's happening today right it's not it's not reality, you know, it just hasn't set in. So for people to say that and uh, try to make you shift when you're not ready, you know, it's uh, not always practical, but I think the way you did it kind of made sense, right? I mean, there's obviously a power struggle sometimes when there's two females in the house and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, with your sister and your mom, it can be tough, especially on your mom, right? Because she was now gone from having somebody in her life constantly to, now just having two kids and really having to figure out how to take care of them. So, I mean, I, I could see how you, you thought being level-headed was probably the best you know, decision you could make to bring peace to the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's exactly as you described. I don't really have anything to add. No. <laughs> well, you know, and I know we've had these similar conversations, not in depth. I mean, this is the first time I've heard, uh, like I said, the way your dad passed away. So it's right. very, uh, very, um, it, it take it took me back. I'm not going to lie to you, right? I know I had a friend of mine who, whose dad also passed away on the mo- on a motorcycle mm. as well. And this yeah. is years and years ago as well. Uh, I think when I was in my teens, I think I was probably 16, 17 and, and hit my friends about two years older than me or so. So, I mean, that's what happened uh, with his dad as well. And this is right here in Alberta and right in Calgary and um, I mean I can't even imagine what he went through so I can kind of now that I understand what you're going through I can really place what he went through um, as well. Well I think I was still in Edgemont at the time so it would have been within a few years of that happening my one of my friends also was you know in Japan actually one of my friends in Japan was in a motorcycle accident and so like he, he, he was also struggling with, uh, I guess an incurable disease of some sort as well. So that was already kind of rough on him, but then, you know, probably in his early or I guess late teens, maybe early twenties, he would have passed away in a, in a motorcycle accident. So it's, yeah, you know, that it's a weird repeating theme in life sometimes, but how it is right well you know that's great and thank you for sharing i think that's that's important for a you know uh, a way for our listeners to really get to know each other and this is what the idea of this topic really is is really just yeah. talking about ourselves and just talking about those uh, moments that you know everybody can relate everybody knows somebody who's passed away in a car accident or a motorcycle yeah. accident um hopefully if you don't hopefully you never have to know somebody that has and if you do you know i think it's very relatable and it's easy to really help other people that are maybe going through something like this down the road 
as well, right? Absolutely. Um, so my topic I wanted to talk about, one of them was at least, uh, I think the biggest shift that my parents made moving from India to Canada was probably one of the biggest shifts that I didn't know about because I wasn't born at the time, uh, but that has impacted my life tremendously, right? Even uh, sitting here today and recording with you could never have happened uh, if my parents potentially had stayed in India, right? So some True. of the things I thought about was, you know, who would I be? You know, who would I be if I stayed in India with my parents and they had never moved here, you know, would I still be the person I am today? Would I have the same thoughts I have? Would I have the same beliefs I have? Would I be more religious, less religious? Because, you know, when you go to India, there are, you know, a lot of dominant religions there, right? And a lot of temples and and a lot of uh, sacredness that, you know, if people have gone to India, they understand uh, there's that there as well, right? So who would I be, uh, you know, what would I be thinking? You know, would my thoughts be the same? Would my conversations be the same that I have with people Um, you know that's one of the things that I always think about you know my uncle said to me one time you know um, it was a more of a conversation about my dad and uh, you know how he saw my dad uh, you know he he respected him because he was able to come here and do the things he had to do provide for his family and the things he said was like you know I could never do what your dad did right and I thought about that and I think about my parents moving here I don't know if I could have moved from India to Canada if I was at that because I mean we're in a great country living right now and Mm -hmm. uh, you know I can't see myself really leaving Canada to go somewhere else you know right now uh, where we are in life right now uh, myself and my wife but it's kind of an interesting thing right so I, I thought of I can relate to that because my dad was thinking about moving to Malaysia after a certain point. So maybe when I finished junior high or something like that, my sister and I were conveniently three years apart. So she would have been three years ahead in schooling, which right. would have meant she would have finished high school or and I would have finished junior high or something like that. And then we would have moved from Japan to, to Malaysia, which of course didn't happen because my dad passed away. And so we moved back to Canada to be with family. But that's, you know, that's another very bold move that, that could have happened and acclimating to a whole other culture i mean it was probably pretty hard for me to think about that at the time and i probably would have had some resistance to moving to malaysia but you know i I could see the plus sides as well because we had we had visited there before my my uncle was there too just would have meant like learning another probably another new language or at least a new way of, of communicating with people going through a completely different school system making entirely new friends all that kind of stuff Right. And I think you just gave a great parallel story to what my parents probably went through when they came here, right? They they came from uh, India where the culture is completely different than it is in Canada. Mm-hmm. They had to get acclimated to the language, the, the weather, uh, you know, because they moved to Montreal. That was the first place they decided to go because that's where my uncle was or my dad's brother was. Uh, and, and, you know, coming from a place where they were comfortable knowing everything, you know, everything, uh, although they weren't rich, you know, they were still um, decently well off, you know, you know, my my grandfather had his own business out there and and uh, you know my my uncle and my dad really didn't want to continue on in his footsteps they really did see things that were bigger so they chose to to leave right and i mean it's a very interesting the life shifting moment they had because whatever decision they had made at that time i don't think they really realized how it would impact their unborn children right because they had no children at the time uh and my dad even in 1975 wasn't even married uh, to my mom at the time right so i mean he was thinking future before uh any of that even came along yes and that's a that's a very bold thing to do 
Uh, I think I'll change my second point slightly, but it still definitely ties in. I'd say when I discovered personal development as an idea, when I first came across Steve Pavlina, I think it... The way the story goes, or at least the way in which I remember it, first I would have heard about Steve Pavlina through Dirk Sivers. Dirk Sivers, former founder of CD Baby, would have still been the founder of CD Baby at the time, in 2007 or so. And I was kind of getting into his material, maybe even his blog at the time. I don't know for sure. But I think through him I found out about Steve Pavlina. Once I started delving into that material, like I was obviously exposed then to Oh, the, the, I mean, just the idea that one could make a conscious choice in life. I don't know if it was like victim mentality or something, but I just thought at the time that like life is whatever happens to you. You know, it's not, you don't have a choice in the matter. And I guess it would be easy to feel that way if you've lost a parent at, at an early age as well. So, you know, once I was exposed to personal development, like it's, it's been an integral part of my life now for nine years or something like that, almost, almost 10 years delving into books, blog posts, podcasts, various audios, and even in network marketing, although we'll get to that topic a little bit later. And, you know, it led me to this point of, I think, in early 2008, where I decided I was going to get up at 6am every morning, except I, I just didn't do it in a very safe way. And this is something for all of us to, yeah, it was something for all of us to to think about in the sense that, if, if you don't, you know, get enough rest, if you don't meditate, if you don't eat well, if you don't exercise, then like cutting down your sleep is probably the fastest way to, to manifesting disease or manifesting exhaustion. I, it, for me, it ended up culminated in a, in a panic attack or anxiety attack in like early 2008. So then, you know, then I spent the next six months or something recovering from, from that whole thing. And I even shared that on the podcast before, but you know, I think we need to, that's why rest is important. You know, if you want to manifest an autoimmune disorder like Parkinson's, then start losing sleep. That's a really good way to start, you know, getting those, uh, those diseases, especially if you're already prone to them to start, uh, manifesting. But it was all a, a pretty major life shifting moment for me because, you know, personal development, obviously I, I stayed with it despite some of the, some of the things that it brought about in my life, maybe because of my lack of understanding or lack of interpretation, just really excited to get started on something, get moving on something that, that matters in my life. So I still held on to personal development, but having that, that panic attack obviously had to change the way I was living. So that was a life shifting moment. Wow. You know, and that's true. I, I think you said it well, and, and you understood what the panic attack meant to you, how it affected you, uh, and, and uh, what it meant for your future if you didn't find some control. Is that right? Yes. Um, you know, I was teaching guitar at the time, so uh, I was in lessons, and I just felt I didn't feel quite right, but I didn't know exactly what it was. It was actually just stress building up over time, and so you know, on my way home, I'm still not feeling great. And, you know, I'm telling my roommates, like, I'm just kind of feeling these pains and it was getting worse. And I, you know, I chewed on a, a, I guess, aspirin tablet or whatever, like you're supposed to when you have a heart attack. So like, it wasn't a heart attack, but you know, it feels like it It feels like your, your chest is kind of leaping or your, your heart's leaving out of your chest kind of thing. So anybody is that that's experienced it kind of knows what that feels like and it's not much fun but yeah loss of control would obviously be a major contributing thing uh and then maybe grasping for that control again is is part of what 
caused it to manifest. Right. You know, I can give a, a great example as well. You know, you're talking about stress and what stress did and you allowed it to build up and build up and build mm-hmm. up until it manifested itself. Right. And and that's kind of where I was as well. A couple of maybe about now, let me think, uh, probably about 2003-ish, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, that's when I started developing symptoms of ulcer- ulcerative colitis mm. uh, or just colitis. Right. So uh, that's of the... Uh, lower uh, intestines or large intestines right so um what happened was like you know i was healthy i felt healthy i did healthy things i was working out but you know i allowed the stress of a previous relationship get to me and and uh that stress i never dealt with it properly i never dealt with the breakup properly and i although i seemed happy on the outside to everybody else you know on the inside even to myself i didn't realize that i wasn't happy i hadn't dealt with what i needed to and uh you know one day I had a pain in my stomach and it was just like, okay, this is not normal, but Hey, it's just a pain. And I mean, we've all experienced pain in our body somewhere. Right. So yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think anything of it and, and, and it continued on and on and on. And I had some different symptoms that I kind of monitored and, and said, well, this is not normal, right? Like having blood come out of you when it shouldn't. And, yeah. uh, you know, but I monitored it and about three weeks later it was gone. So I thought I had taken all the right steps and I healed myself and, you know, but uh, little did I know six months later, I would be hit with the same pain in the exact same spot in my stomach. Uh, but this time within a matter of three days, I lost 12 pounds mm. and I knew there was something wrong with me. And yeah. I couldn't keep any food down. I couldn't uh, absorb any food. Everything I ate was <laughs> number two on the way back out. Uh, and it really never worked, right? And I knew there was something wrong. And especially when myself, I was at that time about 155 pounds. And to lose 12 pounds of your weight, which is almost, I don't know, what is that? About 8% of your body weight wow. uh, in a matter of three days. Uh, that's a lot. So I actually checked myself into the hospital. And so I totally understand, right? If, if you, you know, don't take care of yourself, the way that stress manifests itself within you is always different for different people. The way that stress for you was for a panic attack. That stress for me was ulcerative colitis, right? And we've talked about being on medication and, and in our different, uh, you know, in our pharmaceuticals episode, we talked about that yeah. and, uh, you know, how we didn't want to be on that and how we've uh, done certain things to stay off medication uh, after. After, you know we've we've tried to cure ourselves well so interesting how you know maybe you weren't aware of whether or not you should stay in that relationship in a conscious level but subconsciously your body's already telling you get out you know this is not right for you this well, is actually already out of the relationship oh, okay and so it's already, like after yeah i'd already been out for probably oh i don't know probably about a year but still somewhere within me it was still, you know, I hadn't dealt with it. It's kind of like an aftershock of the whole thing. Yeah, pretty much like an earthquake aftershock. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I mean, that's exactly how, how it can happen. So, you know, you often find people that aren't in great relationships also sickly. And, you know, it's not hard to see why somebody tells you day after day, you're worthless, you're no good. You know, who are you to tell me blah, blah, blah. Uh, pretty soon, you know, 
I don't there's this is a bit of pseudoscience, but like Dr. Uh, Masaru Emoto, he, he did the studies of waters and water crystals. You might be familiar with that too, Mavine, where like, you know, water that's blessed over time has a different crystal structure than water that yeah, that has been cursed. And so with, with our bodies made of 70, 80% water, it's not hard to imagine that like the property of your body and on a molecular level begins to change as you hear different words coming through the ear gate. And it's not about necessarily the words that are coming in so much as how your brain is interpreting them. Wow. Yeah, no, I've never heard that, uh, never heard that, but I mean, it makes absolute sense, right? It's just like they say, garbage in, garbage out, right? So yeah. it's the same type of uh, concept. If you're putting in good things in your head, good things will come out of your head and body as well, right? So I, I do get it for sure. Yeah. And then for me, like 2011 was a pretty major breakthrough year. I think the first half was terrible. Her first half was amazing. Kind of thing. But, you know, I think, even the terrible sometimes turns around and, and, and into something good. So, so, you know, you don't really know until the story is done, you know, you haven't read to the end. So how would you know whether or not that's going to be something good in your life? So I'm not too quick to label anything terrible myself, but you know, I was in financial trouble, even maybe even desperation. I, I, had was behind on mortgage payments and bill payments and I was working five jobs uh, five part-time various work and probably working 55 hours a week if you include driving time and other outside of outside of the workplace type tasks it was probably 60 60 65 hours a week so it was, it was a lot of hours and it was a lot of time spent away from home and unable really to to, you know, focus on anything creative all that, that much, at least certainly not as much as I would have liked and, and trying to deal with these, these financial troubles that I was in. And then I also had a awful roommate, like the worst, worst roommate you could imagine, uh, living with me at the time and sort of paying his rent, but kind of not. So like anything I could do, right. Just renting out rooms, renting out the garage, any way to kind of bring that money in and, and ease that, that pressure. And, and so it was around that time that I actually started learning about business and network marketing. And I was exposed to various audios that began to change my mind, which also surprisingly, and maybe even seemingly miraculously began to change my life. And that's kind of what set the seeds in motion for my life moving forward from that point. So joining a network marketing organization, the way in which that ultimately impacted me was the business education that I got, the people I met. We talked about it in the network marketing episode, so you can always go back and have a listen to that one if you want to hear it more more in depth as well. But obviously, moving forward, you know, it's given me a frame of reference for how to handle money. That's a huge one, and and we'll definitely be covering that subject too. But knowing how to to manage and oversee and, and use your money to get live the life you want are some major things that I took away from that. So, but that was still several years down the line. So I was in network marketing for four or five years or something like that. Yeah, no, and same as myself, right? I was in network marketing for five years. More of a, not really a participator, more of like, I guess, a hangout, checking out what was going on, applying in the information, trying it out kind of guy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm not going to say that I gave it a full effort because I don't think I did uh, in hindsight, right? At that time, I think I was giving the, the best effort that I could based on what I knew. Obviously, knowing more now, I could probably give an even better 
uh, effort at this point. But you're right. I mean, uh, getting into network marketing was probably one of the largest life shifting moments for myself as well. Mm. Uh, you know, that's when listening to motivational audio uh, came in for me. That's where reading came back as well, right? Which I've mentioned. I know uh, I wasn't reading um, as much as I would love to have after I left high school, right? And and once I got into network mar- marketing, it really put me on the path of wanting to learn more. And uh, that's, you know, that's exactly what my next point really is, mm. is, uh, you know, reading that one book that changed my life, right? And it wasn't just the one book, there was actually three books that um, made an impact in my life. And, and it was all because of network marketing making me want to read, right? And it's not that it made me read, but it was the concepts about it, right? That if you read, you improve yourself. So, you know, the three books that I read, one of them being The Alchemist uh, by Paulo Coelho, right? And uh, that one came out in 1988. So, I mean, that book came out years and years and uh, before and that book was actually bought uh, for me from a, uh, by a friend who said hey you know I think you're going to love this book and enjoy this book and uh, she gave it to me and I read it and you know I still have the exact same book and uh, the exact book she gave me and, and I've, I've uh, recently bought books for people as well that say hey you know this is kind of a cool book can I borrow it? No you can definitely have your own copy because you know the story itself is about a guy that you know in, in just quick uh, terms goes out and uh, goes for his dream right and goes through the struggle of no thinking oh man can i can i do it can i not do it and takes his time and and, and learns on how to go for his dream and eventually through the struggle and the it gets the victory right that's right i would say you know yeah books have had a major impact on me too and i can think of john eldridge's desire i think i've mentioned him before and say what you will about his his religious or philosophical beliefs but i think if you actually delve into the content of some of the books maybe not all of them because not all of them are going to be right for everybody but you might find one or two that really speaks to you and so desire was was one of them for me and desire is such a foundational thing in life when you really think about it it's like what what is driving you at a core level if you really think about it it's not really your goals your goals are coming from your desire so like at a more foundational base level we are all driven by desire so I think getting a perspective on, on that in your life is of such a powerful thing and getting a grasp on it and beginning to understand what desire means for you and, and how the universe and God or whatever you believe in interacts with that desire. No, absolutely. And, you know, the same thing for me, I had a book, uh, it's called Buddha is as Buddha does. And that book actually came out in 2007. And at that time, you know, when I was reading that book, I was really wanted to, you know, kind of start learning about different cultures and different thought processes. And, you know, why, why do people say one religion is better than the other, right? So I really wanted to start delving into understanding that they're not One's not better than the other. They're just different, right? And when I read that book by uh, Lama Suryadas, it really made me, you know, it opened up my mind and it opened up my thought process. And, you know, and it's funny, as soon as I had read that book and, you know, we talk about a life-shifting moment, um, once I read that book and I'd always wanted a tattoo and I never really knew what to get. And once I read that book, I actually got a tattoo. So I actually have one on the... uh, on my back on my left hand side um so it's interesting right and and that was a a moment where once i read that book it really showed me clearly that 
we're all the same and uh, you know and i'm hoping that everybody that you know listens to this sees that that it's not a buddhist talk it's not a christian talk this is just a, a people yeah. person talk right um so i think those two books that we mentioned right there are huge um the third book which you i know you've read as well and it's probably had some sort of impact for you too david is uh rich dad poor dad by robert uh, kiyosaki right sure um that book when it came out in uh, 1997 had already been a bestseller by the time i had got to it probably you you too right and mm-hmm. um you know when i read that book and heard that book on audio as well um you know the, the ideas behind it were just amazing i was really wanting to get into real estate i think i actually heard that book when i uh, and read that book when i was uh, working uh, for a local home builder here in calgary as well right so um it was a great book for me to read and it really wanted me to start thinking about how I could do my own investing, right? I mean, investing, and he's talking about investing in 1970. And I mean, those times have changed and things Very have changed for sure. Real estate. Yeah. And he's made, you know, he's made a killing in, in, in Hawaii and now all over the US with his investments. But I mean, a lot of those principles can be still used today. Uh, what is that? Almost 20 years later, mm-hmm. right? From when he put out the book. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's things, if you, if you keep up with the economy, that you just have to kind of, you know, get an idea. Idea. I know uh, my dad, my mom, my uh, my wife, and myself were having a conversation yesterday. Uh, my mom actually just got back from Rochester, and we we're just talking about maybe you know what the the real estate market looks like out there, right? Now, not Rochester, New York, not really a lot of um, different jobs or opportunities out there like you would think maybe in Calgary or in New York, New York, nothing like that. It's really a smaller town, but you know we we're just talking about the different home prices and if we were looking to invest in something. I mean, you can buy a one acre a home on a one acre lot for about uh, $270,000 and you got a, probably a good 65, I don't know, foot backyard uh, that could back up onto uh, a forest. Hmm. I think that's kind of a cool little place to even retire if you wanted to. Yeah. I think I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad like one or two years ago and it's a very inspiring and, and motivating read. So I, I didn't read it while I was very active in, in network marketing. It was kind of after, but it, it really is like an essential book for financial literacy teaches you the basics. You know, most people couldn't tell you what the four ways of making money are. Right. And he says, cash flow quadrant, ESBI employee, self-employed business owner and investor. There's four different ways to make money in life. And most people tend to depend on the ES when, if they want freedom in their life, they should be moving towards the, the BI. So he doesn't tell you how to do any of those things. You can definitely buy, I think you can still buy books from him on the sub- subject of like investments or real estate or some of the other things that, that he's done. But it, it, it's a, you know, it's a read that will provide you with the absolute basics of what, what it means to make money and how to make money in the ways that you actually want to make money. Yeah, no, for sure. And you can also, you know, not that I'm condoning or not condoning, it's up to our, our listeners as well. I mean, he does also have his own podcast out and he does take a yep. lot of the principles that he talks about in his books and he does uh, do great interviews with some uh, great people uh, and talks about, you know, what their experiences are either in the real estate market and kind of what his viewpoints are as well, right? So, I mean, he's still out there uh, educating people, you know, same way he did about 20 years ago with that book. That's right. And then... Another major, you know, moment for me was when I sold my house, which 
kind of came as a direct result of being involved in, in network marketing. It's actually only four years ago still at, at this moment in time. So it's, it's somewhat recent, but I had my mentors, you know, you're in regular contact with your mentors in network marketing. You talk to your upline, or at least you're encouraged to do it. Doesn't mean we all did it, but <laughs> I certainly, you know, we had those communication inbox system. I would always send them one every single day. You know, here's, here's an update. Here's what's going on. Did it all the time. And I'm sure, I don't know, maybe, maybe they got tired of it. Maybe not, but like I didn't make any progress. So, right. <laughs> or at least I was having a really hard time making progress in that, in that particular business model. But, you know, as, as conversations went on, I think they could see as much as anybody else that the, the house was becoming too much of an obsession, too much, uh, taking up way too much mind space. And at this point, like I definitely have to agree. I, I want my own place. You know, I have that desire right now to, to go and, and, and find my own place. I may not buy it necessarily. There's a good chance I would still rent it at, at this point, just so I could kind of do more of the social things that I want to do. But that was still a good move at the time. And, and so selling my house obviously put some money back in my pocket because it was like nine years on the market. So, you know, 2000, 2003 and 2012 or something like that, completely, like completely different markets. Yeah, so absolutely. I, yeah, I probably sold it for three times its value, if not, if not more, somewhere in there and more, at least twice its value, I would say. So, you know, I was able to pay off my debt and pay back my mom for some of the things that I, that I'd owed her for. Uh, and that was a, that was a pretty good feeling. I subsequently, I still went back into debt. So <laughs> you, know, you can still make bad decisions, even having kind of worked them through them once. But eventually, you know, I did find my way back to where I am now, which is probably one of the best places I've been in terms of financial literacy and knowing what to do with my money. So a lot of valuable lessons were learned through that. And then there was a lot of transitions because I was like, I think I just turned 30 as I was about to sell my home. So, you know, anybody that's been there knows, but like it's, it, it doesn't necessarily make you depressed or sad or anything. It just kind of makes you go like, okay, I have a limited amount of time to make my mark. You know, and as a man, that's what we think about is like, how am I going to leave an impact on this world? What's my legacy going to be? And I think those are some of the serious questions you begin to consider as you turn 30. Right on. And, you know, you made some good points. There's, uh, I mean, everybody who's listening to the show is at different points in their life. There are some yep. people who are thinking about today selling their home and there's people uh, sitting there today thinking about buying a home, right? I mean, we've done a full uh, episode on that as well. And uh, I mean, yep. there's definitely that for our listeners to check out again, if you haven't already heard it. Um, but, you know, I, I take the other viewpoint where, you know, I was mentioning that I had recently just bought a home a little while ago and, you, did. you know, we were in different places at that time. And, but I went through the same type of process, you know, I had had my uh, old place from before. Now we have it as a rental income. So, you know, kind of using the, the information that I'd read in the books from Robert Kiyosaki. Now, like we were talking about earlier, like you were saying how your parents have almost that, that security blanket over you, right? So um, mm. n- without even knowing it, so a lot of the stuff that, you know, we've been able to do um, with the family is really um use our money like family money or, you know, something that we talked about in a previous episode as well and, and purchase a different rental properties because of having that type of thought process, right? Like uh, I could have my own 10 rental properties if I wanted to or chose to, but, you know, doing it slowly, doing it smart, ensuring that all of them are making money and uh, not just losing money on it and, you know, they're sitting vacant, right? Because those are things we don't want, right? So, uh, you know, using that type of idea, 
you know, has definitely created uh, kind of the, the the thought processes that we want, at least me and my wife want in this case, uh, because it's definitely made a difference for us, right? Yeah. And I'm not sure if I finished this thought or not, but I was just going to say, you know, my mentors encouraged me, obviously, to sell my house. You know, that was one of the deciding factors in, in the whole thing. But financially, I knew, like, I, I, I'd refinanced my mortgage probably like a year prior, so I didn't even know you could do that. That's part of how I escaped some of the trouble I was going through in, in 2011. But within about a year or so, you know, I was kind of back to where, where I was and, and needed to needed to sell the house or figure something else out financially, which I did didn't even understand like I was like I don't even know how I could be back in that same position but I, I did I did get there let me ask you like how old were you when you first bought that house would have been early 20s wow and being 20 years old you know that is a huge shift that you have to make as well right because not everybody is ready to be financially uh responsible for buying a home at age 20 so i mean you took a huge risk huge step to go out there and do what you thought was the best step for you at that time right and uh even making money by selling the home you know is a great financial step as well i know a lot of people when i was in the uh, real estate industry as well that they would buy their hold on their home for about you know two years three years five years whatever they wanted to and then they would you know use the market increase to sell their home buy another home uh you know a smaller one maybe a same size uh try to take the the money that the capital that they've gained on it and try to put it back towards a new place and then keep buying their home that way and then and maybe over a 10 year 15 year period they'd have their home paid off in cash right that way uh i mean that's definitely one way to do it and um but you know, we have to always look at, there's always things that can happen to us, right? There's always life-changing moments and, you know, being 20 and then coming to your 30s, I mean, there's a huge gap in there of uh, things that you want to experience and things you want to mm-hmm. do and and who wants to be house poor, right? So. Yeah. My mom was, was planning on moving to Edmonton and that never came to be, but it was during that time that she encouraged me to buy a house and so I did. You know, I have, and all these events definitely connect, <laughs> but, uh, you know, my dad had passed away, so I'd had a bit of a inheritance from that, and that was one of the reasons I was able to move into home. I assumed the mortgage, I didn't take on a new one, so that's just like taking over the previous owner's mortgage and then continuing to pay it off in, in that capacity. And so I don't know if I was ever financially responsible enough for, for a house at that point. Maybe I was getting there, but just not quite, just you know, had other savings and other investments and other things that enabled me to, to do that for a time. Right on. Well, just uh, moving on along. So one of the things that I had is, and I know you can uh, definitely look at this as well, because you've done some traveling too when you were, you know, younger. And even at this age, you've done some traveling. And one of the things that uh, impacted my life, you know, was actually traveling back to India at the age of 24 uh, with my whole family. So it was me, my sister, it was my mom, my dad. Uh, my dad actually met us after in India. So we actually was uh, me, my my sister, and my mom, we actually went together and my dad met us probably I think a couple weeks later about a week later or something like that after he tied up some loose ends and he you know his plan was really he wanted us to have the full India experience if I can say it like that sure um you know he 
had planned to show us everything and that's what we did right he took us all over the place so not only did we learn the culture that were that's in india while we were there you know we i did my best to try to take part in it you know i i try remember i tried to uh dress like them and dress like the people in india and i couldn't fit in right because my haircut was different my accent's <laughs> different uh even if i spoke the language because i can uh but i just really could never fit in right but it was an interesting thing trying to fit in and be part of a culture that you know i've grown up in canada at home but it's very different when you go to the culture there and you have to get acclimated to the people there right it's, it's extremely different and uh, you know i had an opportunity to meet all my family you know my uh, mom's brothers and sisters and their kids and my dad's sisters uh, i met my dad's brother because he's in montreal so you know i grew up with my cousins that way but uh, we had an opportunity to meet all my nieces and nephews and cousins and second cousins and all the ones for moves and, and whatever. So, uh, but, you know, I just call them cousins and I call them family. And we had an opportunity to meet them all and they're all in different places, but they're all loving and they had never really known me. So that was kind of a neat trip too, to to see that there's a whole family on the other side of the planet that loves and respects me because of all the things my parents have done for them or how, who my parents are because of they grew up together uh you know so it's just kind of a neat thing to to experience when i really sat back you know years later when i came back from that trip you know we had an opportunity to visit a lot of important sites and i say important uh because i'm talking about religious sites right so mm -hmm. uh we had an opportunity to go to different uh temples and temples and more temples and funny <laughs> story was uh we had gone to already two temples or three temples that day and and i'm like hey to my parents hey where else are we going and they're like uh well we're gonna go to another temple and i just had enough and i was just <laughs> like you know all we're doing is uh, and i'll say in English because it doesn't make sense if I say it in Indian to most people but uh, you know uh, in Indian I pretty much told them I said all we're doing is getting out of the car we're going to the temple we're bowing our head and we just keep bowing our head and bowing our head and I'm not getting anything out of this anymore right <laughs> so I pretty much wanted to stop and not continue that but you know I'm happy I did and uh, you know my dad kind of understood where my frustration was coming from but uh, you know we kept going and we went deeper and deeper into the mountains and I understood that you know that there's something about going deeper into the mountains and getting connected to yourself where there's not a lot of population and you know and as i even asking my parents like why are all these temples built in such high places like right. why is why is it in the mountains why couldn't they just build it in the cities like the other temples you know but you know <laughs> these all these holy sites have a reason for them right and i you know a lot of people who visited overseas you know even countries like cambodia and vietnam and thailand and china and nepal and have seen these temples as well right and just like in india so that was a pretty big thing and you know the other thing i also got out of it too as i really got to see how people live and you know see how i fit into that as well because people are poor there and mm -hmm. you know i did see harsh poverty and you know and i looked at the exchange rate at the time and i believe it was like oh, about 50 rupees to one dollar and you know what's one dollar to me it wasn't much right and then you look at the conversion well to buy a, a bottle of water it's 30 rupees so it's like what 60 cents hmm. it's nothing right but and you looked at it and people were asking me for you know pesa and a pesa is like a quarter in their dollar you know so really i'm you know it's nothing it's um it's it's pennies you know but people are asking you for pennies not even dollars and, and and stuff and you know at first i was like well i'm not giving you anything and then i thought about it and i was like 
all they're asking me is for a penny. You know, you come to Canada, people are, are asking you for a dollar and, you know, two bucks and ten dollars and, you know, they want food. But these little kids and adults are asking you for just pennies. They don't want more than what you'll give them. And if you give them pennies at a time, they were happy with it. And I mean, that really opened up to my my mind to the experience of of seeing how people lived and not taking granted for what they could get versus, you know, unfortunately, sometimes in North America, even, you know, I've, I've told you these stories before, too, you know, I've had people on the street ask me, hey, you know, do you have a dollar? And I, I don't give money to people on the street. What I do is I'll buy them food. And or if I have something with me, if I have an apple, if I have a, an orange juice or something with me, I'll give them that juice unopened, of course, unbitten. And I've had people look at me it's like, what am I supposed to do with this? And I just look <laughs> at them I'm supposed to, well, you're supposed to drink it or mm-hmm. eat it, because isn't that what you want the money for? anyways so it was an interesting you know it's an interesting mind-opening experience yeah this might be a tip but you know there is a difference between asking and demanding so i've walked by some some homeless guys in calgary and such too and sometimes they'll be like give me 50 bucks and you know that's not that's not asking that's demanding and you know there's a major difference because they're you know demanding can often come from a place of insecurity and pride whereas asking can often come from a place of humility and and i think that's very much true in in spirituality as well you know if you have a reverence for god then you want to ask god for what you desire versus demand god for what you desire right you know and and what you just said actually goes right into my next point as well so uh my next point was really you know not something that i've done a lot of or i don't know if you've done a lot of this or not i mean you can tell uh, tell me and tell the listeners as well but i think one huge life shifting moment for many people uh can be the experiences they have and i think sometimes some of the biggest experiences we need to have sometime is meet people who are struggling in life you know, I think it gives us a better perspective of where we are. I think it allows us to be a little bit more grateful as well for what we have. Um, you know, not saying that it's a good thing that people are struggling because it's really not, right? I mean, there's a lot of people, we've talked about this in, in other episodes as well, that are suffering because of mental problems or, you know, uh, drugs or mm-hmm. abusive situations or just really got into financial problems and never could figure their way out. I mean, there's hundreds of reasons why people are, are where they are in life, right? But I mean, just having the ability to talk to somebody who's uh, been violent or and then has or has been violent towards others or has experienced violence I mean that can really help you understand a mindset of somebody not saying that that's a good or a bad thing but really to understand where that person came from can really give you some perspective on how to live your own life and maybe in a better way and not be in a position how you know that person has put themselves in right and same thing if someone's uh, over you know on drugs and stuff is obviously have the right places to talk to these type of people but um but even talking to somebody who's abused drugs and has then stopped and, and really find out the life that they lived and the struggles they had to go through because it is a tough thing that people you know i've heard about people that have crack addictions they don't want anything more than the next crack you know, the next hit, the next fix, right? And they'll do anything for it. And they'll, you know, and and people who have gone through that type of experience have come out out of it and, you know, and have changed their life. You know, they'll tell you about the experience of coming off that type of drug is not easy. It's, it's, it's a, it's a brain, um, 
you know, it really does put your brain through a trip. <laughs> like a dependency. Yeah, you know, and, you know, there's people who do the same thing with alcohol abuse, right? You know, that's why they have the 12-step program that you can uh, go to and you can... Uh, I'm not sure if you could uh, be a part of a 12-step program even if you're not an alcoholic. I think it'd be kind of an interesting you thing. You can. Yeah, I think just uh, maybe just... 12-step be- for drugs, narcotics, sex. Uh, I think those are some of the major ones. Right, so could you go to them if even if you're not, uh, you know... Uh, I guess suffering from any of those ailments, addictions, yeah, or you addictions. Still, you yeah. still can go to twelve step groups, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great idea, right? Because it really gets you in touch with people. I right? have. So, have you? Yep. Wow. So I mean, that's great. So you've already kind of put that idea into fruition years ago. It looks like at this point. Yes, exactly. Right? So if you don't mind me asking, why did you? Why did you end up there? Well, it, it's it's a bit of a long story, but it was not. It was a different kind of twelve step group in the sense that it was on codependency. Mm. So, you know, becoming too dependent or relying on others to in an unhealthy way, you know, maybe they're your voice. So you, you have no personal expression and you let others tell others what you feel about yourself or the situation or the circumstance. And you, you depend on, you know, people, you know, well to do that or just to live life. You can't even figure out your way depend on yourself enough to, you know, order, uh, order something at fast food or whatever. So, I mean, there's, there's so many layers to codependency, but you know, that was, you know, maybe not the exact thing that I needed, but it was, it was enough that it brought some healing to my life and some confidence back to my life. Wow. Well, no, and great. That's a great example. Thanks for sharing that too. I mean, you're definitely sharing some very personal experiences yeah. uh, on this episode for sure. And, um, you know, and, and deep ones too, you know, they're not really, they're not superficial. They're, they're very personal. And I like that idea. Right. And I think if the more we talk to people that have gone through these type of experiences or, you know, go to, I know they're supposed to be very safe, um, safe houses almost for people who have gone through this type of, um, you know, drug abuse or whatnot, and they are looking to better themselves. Uh, you know, if we have the ability to join these and really just hear some of the stories of what people would do just to get, you know, something, uh, that they're really dying to have, um, you know, we probably may think twice about drinking or, you know, doing drugs or certain type of drugs. Again, we might think about it because saying, wow, man, that guy had to, you know, I don't know, kill somebody to get a drink i mean how many people would do that you know not a lot of us want to so when you hear a story that someone may tell you it might make you a better person because you learn from the experience of other people right and and isn't that really the true essence of a genius is learning from other people's experience Mm -hmm. well and we often hear about like entrepreneurial burnouts right I've been listening to a little more Chris Ducker as of late, and he talks about his 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 burnout in 2009, in which you know he was in the chair for so long that he had to have his back operated and spinal fluids removed so that like you know he could he could feel normal normal again. So that's you know the whole hustle mentality. We've talked about that a little bit before in in the episode on on rest. You know (laughs) going. Again, you know, it's a theme. I talked about having a panic attack earlier. So there, there's just so many things that that can go wrong with with burnout and and pushing too hard and hustling and grinding and and going as fast as you can, as hard as you can, all the time. Right. Good point. And so, what's your la- last point? I think. Yeah, I was going to talk about when I discovered the love of writing. I think 
maybe if people for people who know me already it's kind of like a foregone conclusion it seems like <laughs> yeah you've been doing that forever but honestly like i think there was a moment where i was reading an augmandino book two three years ago and i was for some reason i was just like kind of saying to myself yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna become a successful writer this is what i'm gonna do and you know i was probably doing quite a bit of writing already to 2011 i was contracting with tune city so i was writing for the tune city blog in the music industry and i was getting a lot of experience that way but even prior to that putting up my own websites like if i if i really looked through the threads of of commonality between a lot of these projects i probably would have maybe realized sooner that writing is a is a bit of a passion of mine but you know, since then I'm building stuff at music entrepreneur HQ, been doing a lot of that lately. And sometimes even just writing presentations for, for the question. So there's so many things now where I'm, I'm doing quite a bit of writing and doing it as, as more than a living as well. Right on. And I think that's one of the things that uh, you also pushed me through. I remember when I first met you and I'm pretty sure I've shared the story, but yeah. you know, one of the things that uh, I said to you is like, Hey, well, I want a blog. And you said, Hey, well, I'll go write. That's <laughs> you right. Know? So you made it really easy. I mean, pretty not rocket science type of an answer, right? I mean, you're pretty much told me what I needed to hear, but even with that said, right? I mean, I've also started developing that within myself again, right? I mean, I know when I was in elementary, my teachers would tell me that my English was poor. I could never amount to anything in writing or I mm. wouldn't be great at it, you know, and uh, not very encouraging at all, right? And, you know, put yourself at a grade one, grade two, grade three, you know, still not comfortable with who, you know, the confidence I had in myself at that time. And now yeah. you have people that you trust, these teachers telling you, you know, you suck and, and, you know, you'll never be great at English and you'll, and you'll never be a good writer and you'll have to work at it. And you'll, you'll probably be better to focus on math. And, and that's exactly what I did, right? I focused on math at the time and, and my numbers are good and I'm a very good, I understand finances pretty decently. Mm. You know, I'm not a Robert Kiyosaki. I'm not a Donald Trump, but you know, I have a, the, the basic understanding of how to run my financial life life and and what it takes to still be successful within that right and um but talking to you really put me back on that path of of writing again right so that's what i've been doing and a couple of years ago i started i think we had this conversation about two years ago so i started writing and you know uh, you helped me start my uh, website with discover your life today and that's kind of where i started posting uh stuff on there and started my own little blog experience and just kind of experimenting on what I was good at writing about and how I could. And even now that we've started recording these episodes, you know, I've, I've gone back and started putting more time and effort into uh, writing, writing for the blog that I had created myself and said, hey, you know what, if we can build an audience at uh, using your power, then mm -hmm. I can also build an audience at Discover Your Life today as well. So uh, there's so many different things that we can do. And the, the writing is just massive right? I mean, it, it's an inspiring, not only to yourself, but to the people who read, read what you write. And, you know, Seth Godin is somebody that writes every single day. Uh, and that that discipline is just amazing. And I know I keep raising him as an example all the time. I guess I just really resonate with him. It's not like, uh, I, I, I don't think he has a podcast of his own. Maybe he does, but I, I've, I, I, he just seems to pop up again and again on various guests as, as a guest on different, uh, shows that I do listen to. So I guess I resonate, resonate with him a lot, but yeah, creating that, that discipline for, for that writing. I mean, it's something you passionate about and you want to be good at, then that's, that's how you do it. 
you, you put something out there all the time. And it's great that, you know, discover your life today could definitely tie in with what we're doing here at, at using your power to such commonalities between the two and, and the overall vision, I think so. Absolutely. And same as the, you know, the website you have going as well with the uh, music entre- entrepreneur as well. Right. So yeah. um, there's so many different things. I mean, the, the music is definitely a little bit different genre than, of course, what we're focusing on. But again, if you want to be better in life, it's just you're just focusing on more of a, a niche market where you can be better in music. Right. So uh, so it's really a great place. And it, it does have a place where uh, people can go and, and really see how they can better themselves and market themselves better. And if they want to with the music. Right. So that's right. Of course, definitely encourage that as well because, of course, I've seen the work you've put into it. And again, all the different writing that you've put into it, and all the podcasts you've put into it, and all the changes you've made to that website and uh, grown, right? So, I mean, that's that's huge, right? So, um, and I don't think if you hadn't encouraged me, uh, I don't. And this is again, maybe I'm patting myself on the back a little mm-hmm. bit, but you know, I know you would have probably kept writing, um, but I think your writing has also changed because you it know, has. It you know, has. you can see that potentially there's another guy that wants to learn how to write just as good as you do or you know and and i got i'm coming after you for competition wise you know i'm gonna start writing as i want to write just as good or even better so i want to push you to write better than you write as well nice that's awesome yeah man yeah and i think you know with the stuff that i write maybe people like i think it's one of the reasons we started this podcast was to go deeper into different topics and i think that's probably part of what's people's resonating with over at music entrepreneur HQ as well is, is this statement totally applies to this podcast or any of the materials that you delve delve into, which is there's no cure all. Maybe that's one of the reasons why people keep coming to the, you know, the power of your subconscious mind. You're one of the people that have read that post perhaps. Well, you know, that's not a cure all. It's just one book. It's just one idea from one man. And I think it's the same with us. You know, this is just one episode of, of a many multi episode serial podcast and, and ideas coming from two guys, two guys that have learned a lot through our experiences in the books we've read and all that kind of stuff, but nevertheless, just experiences of two guys. So this is not a cure all either. Life shifting moments are, are amazing and, and they're, they're cool when we happen, but we don't always cause them to happen. We're, we're often at effect. Like when my dad passed away, you know, I got, obviously I had a decision about what to do with my life and how to, what to do moving forward, but I had no control over the fact that he passed away. That was something that, that that's part of my history. So there's no cure all. No, not at all. And, and you had to learn, you know, how to live, you know, and I'll put that in quotations without him quotations again, Yeah. you know, and because I don't think, you know, he's ever really gone, you know, I'm sure there's still lots of memories and lots of little things that he said to you that, you know, that make you think about life today, right? Even something he may have said to you when you were, you know, you're, you're younger and it maybe meant nothing, but you know, maybe when you're walking down the street and you're like, Oh crap, I get it. I get what he means now. Right. Mm. I, I got it. Finally, I get it because now you're at that point place in life where it can be implemented and understood a lot better. Right. So, uh, that's awesome. Sure. I think he was, he, he was the kind of person that led by example a lot. So I, I definitely learned a lot watching him, uh, growing up and, and seeing the kind of guy that, that he was often engaged in tons of reading and some, some music and a lot of computer stuff with websites and emails and videos. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a Renaissance guy as much as I am. So right on. And, and, you know, I've said this before too, it's like, I really do feel that, uh, you pretty much just took over from where your dad left off, you know, uh, you do your, your passion about all the same stuff about video, music, writing, uh, people, you know, just like he was from, 
you know, I've never met him, but, you know, from everything you've told me and everything the listeners know about your dad as well, just through these stories, you know, uh, I, I do believe that uh, <laughs> you're carrying on that legacy that way, right? And Yeah, kind I think of our, our personalities were very different, but, the, you know, the trajectory has been very much the same or the mission has been very much the same. So. Absolutely well said. And just kind of moving into the, my last point, it, it kind of has to do with a father and son or a father and daughter. You mm. know, uh, I think one of the biggest life-shifting moments is when you're having kids or have children eventually. Makes uh, sense. You know, and one of the things I know my wife and myself are are right now in the process of doing is, uh, you know, we're, we, we're in that step where we want to have children now and, and that's kind of what we're working on and that's where we are uh, kind of focused on, right? And and not putting a lot of pressure on ourselves, just kind of, you know, go with the flow kind of uh, the idea, right? And, uh, you know, we understand that having kids is not going to be easy and, and mm. you know, but we do understand that if we do all the right things before we have kids, uh, we can then be better prepared for them when they do come, right? I know for sure. uh, it's not always something you can plan on and sometimes kids will just happen as it is right i mean we all know the the person in high school that had a kid and we all know that person who had a kid at 25 and we all know that person who got married then had children or uh something happened from there or much later in life yeah much later in life like i have a friend of mine that was in his in their 40s when they had a child and Mm -hmm. you know and uh i'm 38 right now my wife's at uh 33 Mm -hmm. um right now she's gonna kill me if i got that age wrong (laughs) (laughs) but uh i actually think she's She's 29. She actually just turned 34. She was just 33 before this this episode. Uh, So she is going to kill me. Perpetually 29. Yeah, we're going to keep her at 29. That's right. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, we're we're at the right place now where we're like, hey, you know what? Having children is right for us right now. You know, Mm. Uh, if it happened naturally at a different time, hey, no problem. We would have kept going. But, you know, we we wanted to plan the best we could for our children because we we knew it was important for us to focus on that, right? And and, uh, being able to focus on the children on the children and not just focusing on our relationships. So we really took that time to build on it first to make sure then we can have children and then focus on them as well. Right. So, uh, I know I hear from people all the time that, uh, as soon as you have a child, it will change your life. And I do believe it because from what I understand is that your whole attention is now on this child. And sometimes, you know, we, unfortunately uh, divorce does happen because a lot of people do take their attention off their spouse and focus it solely on their children. Right. So, and that can happen. So if you're out there and you have a child, you know, make sure you're also focusing on your spouse as well. And because, you know, you don't want to neglect the people that uh, you love. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, I don't think they're, I mean, based on everything I've heard, I have obviously not had kids, but based on everything I've heard, I do believe that could be a very major life shifting moment and just holding a new life in your, in your hands and realizing how they, that came about and everything is, is pretty amazing. And obviously I've witnessed others go through that. So. Right. And you know, it's funny. I remember when I was uh, a little younger, probably in my early teens uh, and late teens, um, anytime me and my mom would have an argument and, you know, she would always use the one statement on me. She's like, wait till you're a parent. You know, she (laughs) would always say that to me. She's like, you know, I think that was her... I rest my case statement, yeah. uh, you know, and I was just like, yeah, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever. Right. And I never really thought of anything of it. And, and now I grew as I've grown up and I've definitely matured a lot more and, and humbled myself and understand what she means. Right. So, uh, I understood what she meant a lot more with all the different things that she used to say as well. And, and all the arguments that we've had and all the, you know, and I don't want to call it arguments, but just mis misunderstandings maybe. And, and a lot of them were sometimes, I guess, arguments too. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with them. Um, but it was a way for us 
wants to connect and and she really did say that she's like wait till you're a parent you'll understand exactly what i'm saying and uh i believe now you know once i'm ready now with me and my wife to have children and i do start really understanding some of the things that they were saying my mom and my dad as well right just kind of uh my dad really never said that he's more of the silent type of person that would say it that way but he was just like all right yeah yeah no problem wait till you're there right and that's just he gives you that look where my mom just literally directly says it to you so they're a little different on their uh their way of teaching um but it was it it was it's true right i mean uh i even you know my mother-in-law lives with us as well and you know i listen to her and i chat with her as well and you know i get the i get the idea of how you know she wrote uh raised my my wife and her brother and stuff as well and i can see how you know, me and my wife will be and how we'll be able to use the, you know, the, the knowledge that our, both our parents have to, to be best parents as we could possibly be. Yeah. And I think a lot of, yeah, it's a catch all statement saying, you know, wait till you get to make the decisions about what happens with your kids and what you feel is, is best to expose them to and not expose them to and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, no, well put. I think you summarized my whole point in, oh. in about uh, 15 words. <laughs> Perfect. That's yeah. awesome. What are your closing thoughts? Uh, my closing thoughts. Wow. Um, this has been a great talk. I think that there's plenty of life shifting moments daily. Uh, if we really think about it, you know, yeah. uh, you've brought this up before. There's the book, The Slight Edge. And, and that whole mm. premise of that book is really every decision you make is either going to take you po- in a positive direction or every decision you make is going to take you in a slightly negative direction. And the compound of those decisions will I'll give you a positive or a negative life uh, at the end, right? So uh, really, I think looking at every moment that comes about, looking at how uh, things are going for yourself and where you want to be and really listening to your heart and learning from everything you experience is going to be super important. Uh, You know, if if you're looking at the future, uh, work for it. If you're if you need money, work for it. Do the right things. Uh, you know, don't waste your time. You know, those are the life shifting moments. I think we need to have and understand that. You know, there are times to work and there is a time to play, and we need to focus on those things. Uh, one of the things that you know I wanted to really say was, uh, you know, understand who we are as people understand who you are as a person where do you fit into the the universe and uh you know i think you'll create enough life-shifting moments once you understand and i think i'd just like to reiterate that we don't orchestrate life-shifting moments there's there's moments that i'm waiting for you know there's breakthroughs that i'm waiting for just like probably many of you listening right now you're going you know this thing's good and this thing's good but this other thing over here like i just feel like i'm a mess or it's not happening it's not coming together i'm losing hope i'm losing heart i'm losing faith and i don't know what's going to happen next and you know i have the same struggles just the same as you do there's breakthroughs i'm waiting for there's life shifting moments that i'm waiting for but i'm believing in them so i, I would encourage you to do the same believe in them believe for them and they will happen and they will come but once you go to the top of the mountain you see further and there's another mountain ahead and that's always how it works unless you get to everest (laughs) yeah i guess unless it's like (laughs) literally everest yeah literally everest yeah not uh figuratively like i think you were saying (laughs) yeah exactly figuratively there's always a a higher mountain to, to climb but that's kind of the cool thing about life Well, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to your comments and uh, some of your own life-shifting moments. Love to hear about them. And we'll look forward to interacting with you. Find us online at usingyourpower.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.
Yeah.